Welcome to all of you out there. It is the boys from Rotosaurus. We are back and we are bringing you the high stakes heat. I'm Jake Hallisker. You can find me at the Dustmite on Twitter. Alongside me is hopefully less confused than I am these days, Dave McDonald. Dave, how you doing? Um, pretty good, Jake. How are you? Confused. Other than confused. Yeah. yeah. Where can we find you, Dave, on Twitter? Uh, that would be at Run D McD. We have a Add that D. Absolutely jam-packed show. Thanks for reminding me about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have obviously tons of stuff going on in Major League Baseball. We're going to cover uh, our results from our fab process on Sunday in the NFBC. Uh, talk about some more COVID shutdowns that are occurring in St. Louis. Well, I guess they're in Milwaukee, right? They're still in Milwaukee. For the St. Louis Cardinals. Yes. So, yeah. Tons and tons of news. We got lots of closer situations to cover. And oh, yeah. More importantly than all that for us, we have a very special guest tonight joining us on his second pod ever, correct? Is all Mr. the way from Canada, eh? Mr. Phil Dussault. You can find him at Phil Dussault, spelled D-U-S-S-A-U-L-T 27 on Twitter. He was last year eighth overall in the 2019 main event, the 10th overall in the Memorial Day second chance competition, 14th overall in the draft champions competition out of like 3,500 teams. He had over a 3x ROI last year in the NFBC alone. And as Dave said, hailing all the way from Canada. Phil, how you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? We're great. Good. Glad thanks. to have you on, man. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Phil. That draft champions team was my best one. And I had Carlos Carrasco, who gave me nothing in the second round. Oof, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were with you on that one. We had, uh, we had some Carrasco and... Uh uh clevenger shares last year for sure yeah thankfully when i thought i needed him i wasn't able to get him because somebody outbid me in the auction that would have probably <laughs> sunk that team a little bit more than it already was yeah sometimes uh not getting the guy you want is a blessing in disguise yeah so phil um let's cover our fab process from sunday it was probably the wackiest fab that i've ever been a part of we had fab again last year but i think this one had way more names that were viable in it what would you guys say? Yeah, I mean, uh, you're just trying to find ways to plug holes at this point. But uh, yeah, Phil, why don't you tell us a little bit about your process heading into FAB? Yeah, um, as you can probably guess, my whole FAB process is basically automated. Um, That's the shocking. Aren't, but <laughs> I have this Excel file that I have rest of season projections and weekly projections based on matchups, sparks, uh, lefty or righty, all that stuff for both hitters and starters. And then in that file, I can filter to see my roster and the free agents in each league. So um, it's pretty easy. I choose main event one. I see my roster. I see all the free agents. I see who I like best for the rest of the year and then who I like best for the coming week. Um, so that really helps. I, I, I started doing that last year uh, when I joined six leagues. I think I'm like, I have to find a way to do this automatically. Otherwise, it's going to be Save some 10 time. hours a week. Yeah. <laughs> So <laughs> I figured I had to do something, figure it out with Excel. Um, and then it really helps this year. The first thing when I do fab, uh, I usually go through my roster and then I just find the cuts. I find that's the easiest way to do it. You just, usually it's pretty easy. It's not even about, I don't know how you guys do it, but it's not even about who, who you want to upgrade. You just go through your roster and you're like, okay, that guy cut, that guy cut, that guy cut. And then there might be one guy in there. You're like, okay, if I can upgrade him, then great. If not, then I'll keep him. But once you do that, you get an idea. Okay, I have four spots to fill. 
you go through your starters. Okay, you know, I, need, I need one more starter for this week, one more hitter, and then I can get two free spots where I just get the guys I like, um, either for rest of season or good matchups, Monday, Thursday, or something like that. Um, right. Mm-hmm. That's sort of how I do things. I, I find starting with guys who want to cut is so much easier. Yeah, so how do you balance between who you're adding? Because uh, it's, it's always a – it's always a balancing act to figure out, do I want someone who is going to be dominant for this week or someone who's going to be a long-term play? Maybe like a guy like Evan Longoria, who, um, and I mean, he could be a guy you hold on to longer term now that with all the, you know, you need to have hitters that you can plug in and, you know, he's hitting fifth in that lineup and uh, obviously he's going to Coors next week. Um, should be in line for a pretty good week this week, but uh, you know, how do you balance that compared to a guy who you think you could, uh, who maybe doesn't have a great week this week, but you think could benefit you long-term? In a normal year, I might have four or five of my seven bench spots for guys I like long-term. This year, one pitcher and then maybe one hitter. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. With everything that happened last week, I just don't want to – I just want guys that I can put in. This season's short. Um, a good streamer is going to help you for – what is it? 10% and one week is 10% of the year In normal year. It's like three, 4%. So right. I'd rather just focus on this week. And then if something happens and I adjust it, there's a few guys that I like, which I'll get, like I said, one or two spots maybe, but that's about it. Yeah. I was uh, talking with Scott Jenstead earlier today about, uh, uh, whether you know you can hold guys because we were talking about Paxton and I know you and I disagree on whether you should stash Paxton or not at this point but you know just in terms of you need guys who can produce for you now because if you get too far behind early on you're not going to be able to catch up like taking zeros is the worst thing you can do like yeah you don't want to make a bad drop but I would rather make a bad drop than t- than the potential of taking zeros I, I you need to have those bats because who knows what team might have an outbreak this week? Who knows? Yeah, I think everybody learned a really hard lesson last week. Yeah. I mean, myself included, my three main events, I think I only had one of them that didn't have a zero on it. And one of them had three or four. And that's because I they kind of went heavy on the Marlins on that that team, unfortunately. Yeah. And who so, would have known? You right. Know, I like, mean, and not it, like you can avoid that. You know, I, I kind of I expected them to stop playing for a few days, not for the entire week. Not to pause their season. Especially the Orioles as well. Like, <laughs> I mean, missing four days. It was, it was um, the best matchup, four games, Orioles, Marlins. Yeah. Both bad teams, a bunch of guys on waivers. That yeah, played and I had those pitchers, and yeah. geez, that was rough. Um, yeah, the, avoiding those zeros. Uh, if, if you did that last week, congratulations. Right. Because a lot of us had to take one or two or well, more. I think the three of us were all kind of in the same boat of we were kind of trying to go pitching heavy on the bench instead yep. of hitter heavy on the bench. And it's really kind of reversed itself now where we, we want to have more hitters that we can plug in, you know, in the middle of the week and whatnot, depending on postponed games and COVID. And I mean, it's just, because there's nothing you can do with your pitchers, right? Like, you know, you put them in at the start of the week, you can't take them out. But with hitters, if you can avoid taking zeros, you have to do everything to avoid that. Right. Yeah, and the way Manfred's talking, it sounds like they're – and the way it's looking with the, with St. Louis, they're sort of just going to get through it. If they're going to pause that one team for, for, for the week and then start again the following week. I think they, learn, they sort of learned from the Phillies yeah. that they mm-hmm. played against the Marlins and they got zero cases even though they played, I think, three games against a team that had 14 positive cases and they, no one got it. So they probably learned that the opponent isn't that much in danger. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't – 
messing around with the twins that played the Cardinals and, uh, and then the Indians and all that stuff. So I think they learned from that. So I think it's maybe one, one team at a time, pause it for four days, maybe seven days, and then move on. So hopefully yeah, so that, the week we had was the worst one. But Hopefully everybody was prepared with uh, replacing also their Tigers and, and guys like that because, you know, it wasn't a, a definite that, they were even going to play because if the Cardinals were done, yeah, they were, I, there was nobody else for them to play. We were definitely going into the week assuming I, I just I just always try to plan for the worst. So I'm, I was going in assuming that the Tigers and the Cubs were just not going to play next week, even though it sounds like the Cubs Cardinals series might happen. Uh, I I just always want to be prepared. I want that to be a pleasant surprise, and so I, I you know Tony and I structured our bids such that we weren't dependent on them. Um, one of the guys we picked up was Jacoby Jones. So, you know, we knew we couldn't play him the first half of the week. So we had to make sure that we had enough hitters to play with him on the bench for the first half of the week. All right. So how did we, uh, how'd you guys feel about Christian Javier? He was the hot name that was not a closer this week. We saw him going well over 300 in a number of main events. Uh, were you guys in on that? Yeah. Um, obviously it was impressive what he did against the Dodgers, but you look at, you know, we always – we're track record guys, right? Like, we know better than to put too much stock into one outing. And you look at his track record of not just mediocre walk rate, but pretty bad walk rate. And uh, there's just a lot of volatility there. And, um, you know, I, I talked to Phil about this before too, and, you know, we kind of were on the same page. And I know, Phil, I'll let you explain about how you use steamer projections uh, to decide on that kind of thing. Well, for me, Javier, it made – it just made no sense. I mean, Steamer has a formula based on how they did in minor leagues. And Javier had 377 innings in the minors. So he used those innings to make a production. It's not perfect. I think he has them at 4.85 ERA. So yeah, I argue for 4.3 or 5 if you don't like him. But to suddenly think that that guy's worth $305 all of a sudden um, – it just doesn't make sense. I mean, let me ask you a question. If he strikes out six guys instead of eight and gives up three runs instead of one, what's his fab price? Yeah, it's a good like point. Like 50, 100? Yeah, maybe 100. Yeah, yeah, there were very few viable starters this week, but yeah, it wouldn't have been close to And the thing is, in this year... 200 for maybe just luck. I mean, if someone hits a home run with a guy on base, two extra ones... And he might have made a good pitch or a bad pitch, and it just goes out. It's it's nothing for, I mean, it does. I don't know. I just didn't get the price for. Um, I think a lot of people don't take into account, like you're saying, this his outing could very well have gone that way. But I don't think. I think people just look at the results. They don't look at the, you know, underlying things within that start. Um, yeah, I mean, he's the same pitcher. If he gives up one 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 run or five runs, he's the same pitcher. It doesn't affect the first. 377 innings that he threw in the minors he's the same guy um, right I mean, you take Jacob DeGrom it's gonna have good starts bad starts it's gonna have more good ones than bad ones but he's yeah. gonna have some bad ones in there um but he's still the same guy so right I, that's where I mean like I said steamer is not perfect but he has a formula based on what he did before and now we're just watching this guy for five innings or six innings and we suddenly know he's awesome it it doesn't make sense <laughs> right and I think a lot of people just envision putting like the stats that he put up last week into their lineup. You know, like they're, they're not big picture guys. Like they're, 
they need, you need to think of it the way you just said, you know, it's one start, it could have gone, you know, poorly and it shouldn't change his value. He's the same guy, but most people just see those stats in one game and envision like inserting those stats into their lineup and they get excited. And I think that's probably for a lot of people, pretty much what drives how much they're going to spend on a guy in fab, Um, you know, compared to a guy like David Peterson, who we were talking about, um, you know, I think he went over a hundred in some leagues, but in a lot of leagues, he's going for like 20, 30, 40 bucks, somewhere in that range. And uh, you know, you were telling me about this before fab that, you know, his, his, steamer projections were much better than Javier's right yeah I think it was around 4.2 ERA or something like that so at that point he I mean like I said steamer's not perfect he could right. be good but at 4.2 I think he's worth a shot um he could I mean he could stay there for the rest of the year we don't know he never pitched above double a so he could be great he could be bad but for 55 dollars which in a normal year would be about 20 mm-hmm. it's worth a shot you yeah I think he gets Miami this week uh, right. so, yeah, his schedule is yep. real good. Yep. So I use him for this week and you hope for the best. My guy was Fran Bervaldez. He sort of went under the radar this week. Um, yeah, he really did. I don't think people saw him pitch last night uh, Last night because he piggybacked uh, James. That's and then right. he went for six and a third, eight Ks, uh, no earned runs. The only run he gave up was in that 10th inning with the runner on second base. So, um, And he threw 86 pitches. If that, if that game was an actual start – um his first one in the week people notice it and going for a lot more than that and i got him for i had a bid for about 50 or i got him for 50 or 60 the week before and then last night he was around 60 again i bumped him up to 90 to make sure i got him and i got him in two more leagues so i got him into five mains now what was what was the backup bids in those do you remember around 30 or 40 i think okay okay so some people still kind of saw him but yeah. Not as much as you would have, uh, not as not he they weren't didn't value him the way that you think he should. Be I mean, valued. for me, him and Javier are very similar. They're on the same team. Last year, Valdez had about the same stats in AAA that Javier had in AA, like 14K per nine, and then both had both sort of struggled with walks. Right. It's just Valdez struggled in the majors last year, which is pretty normal for a young pitcher. Right. Yeah, I think a lot of people forget that a lot of young pitchers come up and struggle at first and they're often a better buy in the second year, but you know, people get excited by prospects and I'm pretty sure Christian Javier is uh, he's up there in the Astros prospect ratings. Right. I mean, I, he's got to be a top five, 10 prospect for them. I think. Probably. Yeah. Don't have that in front of me. Well, that's okay. <laughs> so what do you think about uh, all these rookies that are coming up now? We've got uh, Madrigal just called, got called up recently. Uh, we just had today, Joe Adele got called up. Monty Harrison's coming up next week, uh, or I guess this week. And, uh, and then also Varsho came up, but he hasn't really gotten much uh, playing time. And then kind of waiting on Howard and Mize and Baum and Bart and Carlson and Lux and Gore and Sixto. So uh, there's, there's a, I think it's going to be a big influx there. That's like listing your whole team roster and asking a I question. <laughs> well, so <laughs> – so basically, are you targeting any of these guys in particular? Like, I'm sure you, you remember I, them all, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll go with the easy answer. I'm not usually that high on rookies. Right. Um, usually everyone sees the call up on a Monday and then everyone's excited about him. If he's bad for a week, then sometimes he gets sent back down. If he's great for a week, then his price goes up by 400 bucks. So um last year in Fabageddon I think the only guy I got was Willie Calhoun um 
mainly because he's sort of guy we saw in the majors before and he was just getting more playing time now. Uh, but other than that, I wasn't in on many guys and probably the same thing will happen this year. If someone gets called up on the Monday or Tuesday, I see him in the lineup every day by from like Wednesday through Sunday. And then if he's not hitting that well, I assume his bid might not be that high. So those are the kind of guys I might be on if the price comes down just because they have a bad start. But as long as they're in there every day, I'm interested. So um, Okay. It so it's kind of the, uh, the playing time situation is the main key. But what about like pitchers? Um, if you like their steamer projections and their, um, their walk and K rate in the minors, are you – you know, like a guy like Howard, um, I think he could come up and have success right away. Are you going to be in on that? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll usually just look at the steamer because like most people, I haven't seen those guys pitch. So it, it doesn't sure. make sense to make up my mind based on three GIFs that I see on Twitter or <laughs> <laughs> it just it doesn't make sense. So I just look at steamer and then I'll look at K walk rate, um, maybe a re- some reports online, things like that, but yeah, yeah I've, I've made, I've made that observation before that I think, uh, you know, when Rob Freeman, uh, pitch, pitching ninja puts, uh, those gifts out there for different pitchers. Um, I think, I think people get all excited cause they see a really cool looking pitch and it kind of blinds them to like the overall, um, doing an, doing an evaluation of the total picture. They just, they see that gif and they're like, I got to have this guy now. And I think that happens a lot. I think people see something. Uh, I know picture list puts a lot of stuff out there too. Um, and people get kind of overexcited on a guy without really doing enough in-depth analysis on someone. And it's kind of funny because we all make fun since the Moneyball revolution, we sort of all make fun of the scouts that the old scouts that do things the old way. But that's sort of what everyone's doing with those GIFs on yeah. Twitter. They see yeah. him for three pitches and they, okay, that guy's awesome without looking at everything he's actually done before. Right. It's like looking at a small sample size and being like, oh, this is great, and not looking at the total body of work. So regardless of price, is there any, anybody coming up or that just recently came up like a Joe Adele that you would take a chance on, like if, if you could get him for a minimal amount? I mean, Joe Adele will be intrigued. I'll probably put in a bid and see if it works out. I assume, because he's a big name, so I assume if they call him up, it's to put him in the lineup every day, and I assume he's going to hit pretty high, probably fifth or sixth. Um, so if they call him up, it's to play him. So. Um, and then Harrison, I'm intrigued as well, because the Marlins don't have anyone else, so he's going to play every yeah. day. Yeah. So they're probably the two guys I'll be – we're going to see them this week. So like I said, if I see in the lineup – this week that they're in the lineup every day, then I'll put in bids on Sunday. And then sometimes I also depend on their matchups next week. I haven't looked at that, but if they have good matchups, I figure it's worth a shot for one week. Worst case scenario, you drop them after that, but they're, I'll probably put in some bids, but often those guys I'll, I'll be in the 30, 50 range and the go for 200. So. Yeah, yeah. we, uh, we actually, um, me, Tony, and, and Jake all put in bids on uh, Harrison week one. We got him. Uh, I, I think we got him around 50 bucks. I don't know what you put in. I Jake. put in uh, somewhere between uh, 65 and 80 because Ooh, okay. it was because I knew the Marlins weren't going to have anybody to play, so they probably were going to bring him up. Yeah. And I thought other people were going to be thinking the same. So there weren't many people that shared our no. mind. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think we, Brian I Slack I and think... Nick Sackett also have a couple shares 
um, but there aren't many. And and he was only available last week. He wasn't available this week because he right. was on at the alternate site. So NFBC has every player in the pool available weekend, the first weekend of a fab for a league. And then they only have the guys that are uh, in the ma- on the major league roster. Right available so yeah. he was not available this past week unless he was drafted and then dropped which i guess if he was drafted and dropped somebody ran out of space and needed to drop him because i can't imagine dropping him last week but who yeah knows? that would be a bummer yeah <laughs> and i was wondering what do you guys think about joe adele do you think he's gonna do you think he's up to replace goodwin or do you think it might be they bring him up because of the otani injury i don't know if that's gonna affect his hitting i know they said he's day-to-day on the hitting side but you know he's basically shut down from pitching for the next month or so it looks like Trout's coming back and then Otani is going to be on the trip. So I assume that they knew that before they called him up. So, they're... Yeah, he did go on the trip. I, did they actually release the MRI results yet? I didn't see that. For Otani? For Otani. Well, I, yeah, they said he's out four to six weeks. Oh, they yeah. did. Okay, yeah. sorry. Yeah, I tweeted that out earlier. Okay, might be. That's okay. Lots of other stuff going on. Yeah, sorry. there's been a And I don't things. own them, so I haven't uh, right. paid as much attention. Jake's been busy updating all of our pitcher schedules on Rotosaurus uh, pretty much all day today, so... Um, I think there was like a new pitching change, like every half hour, pretty much. So yeah. it, was, uh, it was very, and schedule changes and schedule they, they changes. decided yep. to make double headers out of, out of nowhere. Yeah. Today. It was fun. Yeah. And I thought it was like, I heard that the Yankees Phillies game tomorrow was canceled or postponed because of rain. And I'm like, what? They're canceling it a day out because of rain. And then I heard there's a hurricane. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, that's a little different than rain. <laughs> They're actually being proactive for a change. Yeah, seriously. All right. So Phil, Let's talk some closers here. Uh, I know you and I have uh, Twitter DM'd quite a bit on closers recently because there's quite a bit of turnover these days. Um, figured I'd go alphabetically here and uh, start with Baltimore. Um, to me, it looks pretty clear right now, like it's Cole Sulcer's job. I mean, they haven't come out and said it's his job, but, uh, you know, he's gotten, was it three or four, three? Three opportunities so far. So, um, yeah, I – I, I kind of like him and we were kind of talking about, you know, he's kind of been a quote unquote journeyman through the minors. He started as a, a starting pitcher actually in the Indians um, uh, farm team. And uh, you know, he was never really someone who what really stood out, but then they moved him to reliever and he kind of started to become a player, but nobody knew about him going into this year. Like I don't even know he was on the Orioles to be honest with you. What are your thoughts? He was my favorite guy this week. I yeah. think I put in bids around 180, 200 for him. I didn't get him anywhere. Um, the big thing for me was, I think it was Wednesday and Thursday. Um, he blew a save on Wednesday. I think it's Judge hit a home run. And then the next day they had another save chance and they brought him in again. So right. don't pitch the guy back to back in save opportunities after he blew the first one if he's not your closer. It, that was the one thing for me that told me he's the guy. It's not a committee. He's their guy. And they're going to, I mean, if he blows three saves, they'll, they'll take him out. But um, he was pretty much the safest guy uh, for me this week. Yeah. I think that's fair. They've made, they've made, had many chances to make Givens the closer over the years and they've never, they've, I don't think they've committed. ever seen Givens. And that's why I was high on Hunter Harvey coming into the year, right. not high, but high ish. Um, because I just didn't think that they saw Givens as that guy. So I was like, you know, if they don't see him as the guy, there's got to be someone that they're going to give that shot right. to. And who knew it was going to be Cole Sulcer? <laughs> yeah, now Hunter Harvey pretty much has no chance of pitching for a while. Yeah, so. he's he seems like he's probably shut down pretty soon here. So um, so another 
bullpen up in, in flux. Uh, there's about 13 of them, but uh, the Cubs, um, Kimbrell, uh, in my opinion, pretty, uh, he, he's been, he's been messed up for a while. Uh, he was not right in spring and then didn't look in summer either. So I kind of saw this coming from a long, from a ways away, which is why we drafted Wick in the, in the main event. But uh, it definitely wasn't like they just, kind of went to wick right away there's been you know they've jeffress came in to get a save but that was also only after they had already i think used wick in that game and kimbrell was blowing the save so they brought in jeffress and he barely closed it out i mean uh it, I, I watched that game it, it was closer to a blown save than not but uh yeah i don't know um for me i think wick's the guy i've i've thought that all along but um and i saw a lot of big jeffress bids this weekend what do you think about that situation i, I stayed away from that one i think yeah. just because just because of the contract kimbrell they're going to give him another shot at some point so it's whether it's wick or jeffress you can't start in this week then the following week kimbrell might get another shot so in a in a normal year i probably throw bids at waker jeffress 2030 leave him on the bench for a couple of weeks and if they get it in three weeks then great but this year i don't want to waste it's waste a spot on a situation where it could be three guys and it might just go back and forth and you'll never know for two or three weeks so i i didn't want to take that chance that's definitely a possibility i i've got my one egg in the wick basket but uh i could see it not working out for him but um one situation I felt much better about would be Colorado because um, it kind of all happened at, in the same day where uh, Ober got blood clots, which I'm kind of concerned about him. I, I kind of hope he retires because that's a serious problem. And he's had this for years now. Yeah. Um, Second, two years in a row for sure. Yeah. And I think I remember even further back than that, but it's, that's a serious thing. So um yeah, with with Oberg out of the picture and Wade, Wade Davis going to the IL because of a shoulder injury, um, seems pretty wide open there. And based on usage, uh, Jairo Diaz looked pretty much like he's probably the guy. I know they have Carlos Estevez there too, but uh, I think, Jake, you've said before, they've tried to go to oh, him yeah. a couple times. It's been times. years. Yeah, I remember that too. I remember trying to pick we, him up. I think we owned him three years ago at least. Yeah, oh yeah. And he's never really worked out, but – uh, Diaz is looking really good. Um, you know, the, yeah, the K rate's the there, guy. the walk rate is low. Last Sorry. night, it sort of confirmed it where they brought in Estevez and then he put guys on base and then Diaz closed it. So mm. he, I think he's the guy, but it's course. So, right, right. And unfortunately, I mean, I, I feel like we could have gotten Diaz for fairly cheap, um, at least relative to what he went for if he didn't get that one out save, which really sucked. Yeah, if, if Estevez closes that, people see that he got the save, and I think Diaz goes for under 100. Now, I put in bids around 200, and I wasn't even close. He went through 300 or 400 in most mains, I think. So, yeah, we, yep. we put in a bid of 313 on him, and he went for like 345, I think. So we were kind of close, but not, not quite. I don't even think we we're the runner-up, though. I think someone else is between us. So a lot of people, I think, yeah. were having Everybody that Everybody was thought. on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, I think he was the most popular bid target for sure. He was, and it made sense. I mean, assuming that Sulcer wasn't available, he, right. would, he was by far my top target so and i think it's also the same thing he got a two inning save last night if he doesn't get that then people yeah. might have doubts i think his bits went up as well because of last night for by yeah i think it was just real poor timing unfortunately you know, if you were in any leagues with gecko though he wasn't available <laughs> yeah, he, he snatched all the shoes <laughs> yeah uh jeff erickson got him for one dollar in our, our league uh 
week one. So I was like, God damn, that was a hell of a bid right there. <laughs> um, so Houston, uh, Roberto Osuna, not looking good. Um, you know, anytime you see an arm guy leave with an arm injury, you know, there's a chance it could be a day-to-day thing, but I think he's probably going to end up being long-term. Him in, in the one main I had him, I didn't want to take the chance one of the spot. It, it just looked so bad when a pitcher just stops and then points at the dugout. Yeah. If it's iffy, sometimes they'll try, they'll try a few more pitches, but now he just threw one pitch or after that one pitch, he just pointed the dugout. It, it just looked bad. So, yeah. And, um, you know, it's kind of a difficult scenario situation there because Presley literally just got back. Um, I don't know. Most of the guys who come back who have start, gotten a late start to the season, even the guys who didn't get a late start, they seem to be pretty far behind. I don't know if they're going to go to Presley right away. Um, I know Taylor is pitching the best in their bullpen right now, but he's a lefty. Um, and, you know, his uh, track record is, is decent, nothing special. Uh, and then the other guy I was thinking of was Cy Sneed was another guy who they seem to be using in higher leverage situations. But um, I'm assuming that this is just a stay away for you. Uh, I mean, I, I know that Presley is pretty much owned everywhere anyway. So. Yeah. I mean, they're going to trade for someone like 90% sure it's they, their bulb, their bullpen is decimated. They're missing so many guys. Maybe Kella, when he comes back in a week, if he pitches while they trade for him, they're going to get Presley's always been their eighth inning guy and he doesn't seem right. They're going to trade for someone. So I, I don't have much interest in, whether it's Scrubs, uh, Taylor, Snead, or whoever, um, I think they're just going to trade maybe for two or three guys and trade deadlines in four weeks. So if you're getting, one, if you're getting I don't know, Taylor hoping he gets a save, you can't start him this week, you're hoping for the following week. But at right. that point, you're two, three weeks or from the trade deadline. So uh, I think they, they bring in someone else. That's a pretty solid theory, I think. I mean, that's a, that's yeah. a team that – I mean, that's a clear weakness – they, right. their their windows still open. I think that's a pretty good theory. The only question is is how trading trading is going to work this year. I don't know if teams are going to be trading as. I mean, I've seen the theory out there that people aren't going to teams aren't going to be trading as much as in other seasons. I don't know if that's the case or not. I know Kayla is by far the most likely. I had I had his trade risk as real high. Like when I when the, when I thought this was going to be a full regular season, um, I figured if you draft Kayla, you're really just drafting him to get that half season of saves because. I was a hundred percent sure that they were going to trade him. Um, the, they have, the pirates have no reason to keep him. They're not going to resign him. Um, you know, he's a bit of a head case, but he can help a team win now. So um, yeah, it just seemed pretty obvious that if they, if the pirates can get something for him, they're going to. So that would, that would make a lot of sense to see him go to the, to the Astros. Um, Kansas city. Uh, this is a situation where, you know, Holland got an early save, but it was kind of one of those situations like Jeffress where it was a non-safe situation and it became a safe situation. And I think he struck out the side against the Indians to get that save. So I think a lot of people saw, you know, that three strikeouts, one inning pitch, clean inning, and just assumed, okay, Holland's the guy. He's a former closer, et cetera. But, you know, I've, you and I have both been on Rosenthal hard since, yeah. since all off season. So I, for me, and I know Kennedy's still there, I always thought it was Rosenthal's job. I never thought it was Kennedy's just because he closed last year. Like, Matheny refused to name him the closer. So, you know, if a guy's your closer, you're just going to say, yeah, you know, Kennedy did a good job for us last year, but 
Matheny has that uh, history with Rosenthal closing firm in St. Louis that it just made too much sense to us. I, I mean, I, I'm assuming that's your reasoning as well too, right? Yeah, I think he's the guy. He looked good in spring training. His VO's yeah. back throwing around 100. His control looks to be okay. Um, that when I talk about my system for Fabrio, the closers are the one thing I do manually. And the best advice I can give is just go, go through box scores. It's go just look at one team. Okay, look at Kansas City. Best example is Greg Holland. Like you said, I mean, if you look at his usage, opening day, tie game 0-0, zero, zero, um, Barlow pitches in the fifth. He gives up the two runners that were already on, and then Holland pitches the sixth. So if Holland's your closer, he doesn't come in the sixth inning on opening right. day. Doesn't make sense. And next day, uh, tied game 2-2 on the road. Kennedy throws sixth and seventh. Then Rosenthal comes in the eighth. It makes sense if you want Rosenthal. He's your best reliever. Well, him and Kennedy, you want to make sure they get in the game. And tie game on the road, you bring him in the eighth. It makes sense. And then, and it was to face Zimmer, Hernandez, and Ramirez. So it, it did make sense. He could still be their closer. And then Barlow comes in the ninth. Barlow threw the fifth the day before. So, um, and then they brought Holland in the tenth. He got the save. But it didn't mean anything. For me, it was pretty obvious Rosenthal was a closer. So I, I think he's their guy, even though it doesn't seem 100% sure. I, I bid on him in the one league. He was still out there. I have him in two mains, and I'm, I'm starting him this week. I'm pretty sure he's the closer. Yeah, I would agree. And I'm, I'm starting him in any leagues that I have him in as well. Unfortunately, he's not available in many. <laughs> um, so going over to the Angels with uh, Robles blowing up again, um, that's a situation that we talked a lot about because we were trying to find any kind of information on who they might be leaning towards. But they, their usage is kind of all over the place. We kind of liked Middleton at first, but then we realized they were putting him in like the fourth inning. And, uh, you know, Butchery is a guy that they, in the past they've had a lot – put in a lot of high leverage spots, but he's been – terrible um and uh you and i kind of both agreed that felix pena kind of made some sense even though he's been more of a multi-inning guy he's by far doing the best in their pen and uh he's made a really good transition to a reliever what do you think yeah he's been their best reliever this year i think he might have the the seth lugo role or josh Hader, or or he doesn't get all the saves but he seems the favorite because he, he's probably the only guy they can trust right now so i think he gets the next chance at hope he keeps it but yeah I hope he so was cheap this week I got him in one for I think 30 yep that's Worth what we got I think he's startable this week so even if he can even if he's not the closer he's gonna get three four innings probably this week so with decent matchups so I can throw yep. him in there and hope for the best I agree and that's what we did because we did we didn't want to throw Yates back in so um mm-hmm. The Twins, Rogers definitely looks like the guy now. I know he uh, kind of got a late start to the season, and then uh, he had pitched back-to-back innings, so Romo got a couple saves in there. But uh, I, I was a little hesitant on him because he's a lefty, and he's the only lefty in that pen. It didn't make any sense to me to just use him as strict as a strict closer, but looks like he's going to get most of the saves. Is that your read, too? Yeah, it is. The only thing, he's not pitching back-to-back yet. And if Romo keeps doing well in the ninth, they might end up deciding, oh, let's make Romo the closer and then let's put in Rogers a little bit earlier. Yeah. I agree. But he Um, he it so far. Yep. Now the Mets, uh, Edwin Diaz also just getting, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say he's getting like destroyed because they didn't really use him very often yet. I, I think it could be more of a sample size issue, but he's given up home runs again. And that's kind of the bugaboo with him. Um, that's an interesting situation because they have Batansis there, but they've kind of made it clear that he's not 
uh, they don't want to use him in high leverage roles yet. And, uh, you know, his velocity is still way down. A lot of guys' velocity is way down, though, but I think his is especially far down. Um, Familia and Lugo, I, I know Lugo got some saves, but Familia made the most sense to me um, as a former closer for the Mets before, and he was pitching pretty well and in some high leverage situations. But I see today, for example, they're using uh, him in the seventh, and he did not do well. So I don't know what they're going to do with that situation, but Diaz pitched a clean inning. He might get another shot. What are you thinking there? I, my read was always if Diaz can run away with it, they're going to give him, give him the job. If they don't, if he doesn't, if he struggles, then they're going to put Lugo sometimes and then play matchups um, with, with other guys. Last, last year in September, him and Lugo and Wilson basically split 3-3 three, three of the saves. I think it's going to be the same thing. If it's not Diaz, then they're going to split with someone. So I stay with it. I stayed away from it. I, I don't like half closers, so. Oh, right. Yeah. No, I agree. Cause you never know. They might get a save that week. They might not. Um, now the Yankees, you got Aroldis Chapman coming back from co- the COVID list. Uh, and we've seen how that's gone for some, some guys, uh, pitchers. Um, we've seen some hitters come back from COVID and be okay. And Freeman's been hitting the crap out of the ball still, but a lot of pitchers are struggling coming off of COVID. I think they're not up to full strength. They're rusty. Um, I don't know if the Yankees put Chapman right back in there with Britain pitching. Well, what do you think? I think they put him back. He's, he's always been their guy. He's always been a closer. And even, I think, two years ago, he sort of struggled. They moved away from him for a few games. And they put him back. They let him, they let him figure it out, and they put him back in there. Um, for him, I sort of got influenced when drafting by those videos online. He was working out. I figure you don't do that if you have symptoms. So. <laughs> Are you saying you got, you got influenced by a video? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's kind of stupid, but it, it looked like he was do- doing okay. So I figured I, I'll draft him and – I got him in one league. He seemed to be – he dropped because of the COVID. But right. I, I think he – I, I mean, I'm not starting this week, but I think next week I'll be able to use him in, um, and he'll get the job back. Well, we'll see. I mean, he's not even um, – he's not technically – I don't know if he's – did he travel with the team for this week? Does anybody know? No, I no. think he's in the alternate site to okay. doing a bullpen today or tomorrow. Yeah, I think he's still building up. So, well, we'll see. I mean, I'm just saying I, if I'm a Britain owner, I'm not dropping him yet. Um, so you, we already mentioned Kayla earlier, but, uh, I, I just think even if he comes back, I think birdie's going to keep a share of that job. I know they're not pitching him back to back days yet, but he's definitely their future closer. And like you mentioned, even if Kayla comes back and closes, I think, uh, I think he'll get traded and birdie will get that job back. Anyhow, is that pretty much your read? Yeah, I've had birdie. I keep him. I kept Kayla cause I think they're going to want him in there for two, three weeks to boost his value. Possible, if he, yeah. he does well. I mean, the Astros are, are probably going to pay for him. It's not the Atros. Might might be the Cubs. Might be someone else. So I think they're going to put him in there for two, three weeks, and then give the job back to Birdie. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, San Diego Yates. This one hurt us for sure. We yeah. we were both invested in Yates uh, in a couple of main events and fourth round. <laughs> what was that? Fourth round. <laughs> yeah, fourth round. Now you know you go for a closer in the fourth round. You're kind of expecting some uh, you know pretty good stats. Uh, and he has not done that. So, um, you know, Pomerantz, on the other hand, has looked real good. Um, I'm worried. I know you and Tony are, are less concerned, but uh, I watched Yates pitch, and he is not right. And he's saying that it's a mechanical error that he's, that he's fixed, but uh, 
I don't know. I kind of worry that there might be an underlying injury there, but uh, what's your read on that situation? For me, it's this kind of thing we see in spring training everywhere where every year where there's a closer who gives up five runs in three innings and we panic because something's wrong. And then when the season starts, he's fine. I think it's the same thing. It's just the season right now is spring training for the pitchers. So okay. it, it doesn't seem hurt. I think his velo is okay. So I think he's been there for a while. So they might, Palmer's might get the next one, but I think, Sometimes those guys, they give them two or three days off and then they come back to figure it out and then they come back and they're closer again. So I, sure I, hope, I hope that's it's... the case. Yeah, we're all pretty invested in Yates. Yeah. Uh, I only have him in one main, but Pomeranz was available in two of them and he I wasn't for... going near what he went for. He went for over 200 in both of them. Yeah, that's crazy. I couldn't cover Yates paying $200. No way. Not, not when you expect Yates to get the job right. back. I mean, yeah, that's a tough situation. Um, Another tough situation is San Francisco uh, with our boy Gabe Kapler. Team Never Kapler. <laughs> team, yeah. We are Team Never Kapler. Everybody wanted to draft. Uh, I, I had people in the offseason being like, oh, but Tony Watson and Tyler Rogers are so cheap. I said, stay away. Do not invest in the Giants' closers. Like, this is Gabe Kapler. This is what he does. So, got getting the first, was it two, three saves, whatever it is there. I mean, and he, they already called it a committee. But, I mean, for me, it's just – it's Gabe Kapler, and I'm sure there's going to be, like, eight different closers, uh, guys with saves there. So, for me, it's a stay away. I'm assuming the same for you. Yeah, I told you I look at box scores to analyze closers. I haven't looked at his single Giants box score. <laughs> <laughs> I see Giants. Nope, it's Gabe Kapler. I'm saying, <laughs> it's just not worth it. <laughs> Agree completely. Well, do you own any Giants in Coors this uh, first few days, I don't feel? Yeah, I got Longoria in – quite a few leagues I, it's the first time i've paid attention to the giants since beginning <laughs> <laughs> sorry bubba <laughs> I, actually right, now, like, uh, um, I actually kind of like brandon Balth as well but he's playing he's only playing against uh, against yeah he, as a platoon guy it's so hard to to put much into him i, think I mean i know he's everyday players from what i've seen so far Songoria, solano and yastrzemski so yeah yeah well obviously available putting bids on him got him in five leagues i think and i okay and Oracle part looks to be much more hitter friendly this year because I think they covered the arch in the outfield or whatever. Yeah, I heard there's like a wind tunnel there now. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, Solano was a pretty good cheap pickup. So we, we liked that. Obviously, Longoria went for quite a bit. Um, and Yastrzemski was obviously drafted. So. All right. So the Mariners, another what looks like a committee situation, but uh, Taylor Williams obviously seems to be leading the charge there. Uh, I believe he has two saves so far, and uh, I know Altavia has one. Um, Williams kind of – he looks pretty good, honestly. Like, he's he's got a solid skill set, um, but there's just a lot of other guys there. They've got McGill, who hasn't really been involved yet but could. They've got Hirano eventually coming back from COVID at some point, and uh, Austin Adams, who could be an elite uh, closer. He comes back next Monday. So uh, – I'm assuming this is a stay away for you as well, but uh, Taylor Williams, I think, had some appeal. Yeah, I'm staying away. Maybe I'm biased because last year, I think probably in August, I put in bids on Anthony Bass, thinking it's obvious he's the closer, and it was just back and forth with a bunch of guys at the end of the year. They're not a great team. They're playing better now, but they're not a great team. And when, there's, when, when you can name four guys that could get the job, it's, it's a stay away for me. That's fair. Um, now St. Louis, when they eventually return to playing, um, Kim is technically their closer, but 
you know, with the news about the 13 guys with the positives, and we heard there's a couple of starters. I know Carlos Martinez is one who's going to be out. So they'd be down another starter now. I just – I don't see them – not going back to Kim, like as a starter, like, I don't know why you wouldn't. This guy has never been a closer before, you know, he's always been a starting pitcher. Why wouldn't you put your best option back in the rotation and just use like Gallegos or Helsley to close there? What do you think? I think you're right. I think Gallegos gets the job eventually, but is it worth hanging on to him for two, three weeks, maybe more than that, hoping he gets the job. I think for now it's a bit of a waste of a spot. Normally that's different, but in a nine week season, I don't, I don't want to spend the spot on a guy who might get the job in three weeks. That's fair. I mean, Gallegos was obviously drafted in a lot of places. And uh, I was talking to Siege on Twitter earlier, and he thinks that they're going to keep Kim in the, in the closer role and they're, they're going to give it to other guys. I don't know who they're going to put in there, like Austin Gomber. I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me. And I figured that they might make the change right away. Like coming out of COVID, they're going to be like, okay, we need a, we need a starting pitcher here. We're going to put Kim back in, but I don't know. I could be wrong. Um, and it could be Helsley there too. Might not be Gallegos, but Gallegos is a very highly skilled reliever. So if I could stash him for a week, I probably would personally. Um, another committee situation, Tampa. Um, probably don't even need to talk about that one too much because we are always team always stay away from Tampa relievers because yeah. they never give the same guy the closer job. So, you know, like coming into this year, Anderson was a big avoid for us. Um, you know, it's kind of a – I'm shocked that they don't aren't going to him at all. Uh, it's been a little odd to see Drake getting a couple opportunities there. But uh, overall, not shocking that that, that job is not one uh, that you want to invest in. Yeah, for me, it's the same as Giants. I don't pay attention because I know, I know they're going to mix and match. So I, <laughs> right. I don't even bother with it. Fair enough. Um, so in Texas, uh, you, were, you were big on the closer there, Jose LeClerc. And uh, – you know, of all the ways I thought he could get removed, um, injury was the one I did not consider for him. I thought, you know, he'd walk 17 guys in an inning and they would be like, okay, look, we gave you a shot. But, uh, yeah, it's um, – they called it a committee. So, um, you know, this is one of those places where you invested quite a bit in the mains, not monetarily, but in a lot of your leagues. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about why Volquez is uh, the leader of that committee? Um, yeah, the, for me, the goodie save is sort of like what it was with Holland. He got the save, but he was never really the guy. He came in when LeClerc was warming up. He got hurt. So we're like, okay, who can go? It's goodie. Okay, we'll put him in there. He got the save, but it didn't really mean anything. For me, Volquez, yeah, Hernandez, I think they like him, but they seem to like him as multi-inning guy. Maybe not ideal for the ninth because of the walks. And he came in the seventh last night. So when I saw that, Hernandez, seventh and eighth, and then... Volquez in the ninth, it was, they were up by four runs, so it wasn't officially safe, but... Closer, close to a yeah. safe. So, it, it, it's the same usage. Hernandez, I mean, if, even if they'd been up by two or three, Hernandez wouldn't have come in in the ninth. So, it, it made sense. I put in... He was cheap. I think I put in bids for 50 or 60, got him in three leagues. I think it was sort of worth a shot for a guy that could be either their closer. They always had a regular closer. The clerk's been their guy for, for a while, so... Um, that's I, true. Yeah. I mean, even last year when, they, when he was horrible, they put him back in there at the end of the year. And then in the middle, I forgot who it was, but it was pretty regular guy. They're not really a committed team from what I've seen in the past two or three years. So um, thought it was worth a shot. More than – I like those cheap ads that I – more than the, the 300 
I mean, if, yeah, you can take one you can save take, this week. He goes for 300 next week. So, right. Um, you can take six $50 stabs instead of one $300 fab stab. So yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, we know because they use the clerk that they obviously have a high tolerance for walk rate and shitty pitching. So, you know, Hey, maybe Volquez can hold it down. I just, I, I don't buy the skills. I don't know about you, Jake, but I'm not, I'm not in on Volquez, the skill set. Honestly, I was I was avoiding Texas just because of the fact that there were too many guys, but <laughs> Volquez was was the bottom for me just because of you know predetermined biases. I mean, I, I didn't ever view him as having closer stuff. So well, often failed starters become good yeah. closers, actually. So it, probably we should alter those biases a little bit. I mean, who knows? Maybe he can't. I don't success. think it's fair to call him a failed starter. I mean, he had a little bit of success. For oh, okay. Well, hasn't had any success starting in a while. Washed up starters. Maybe. Okay. All right. And teams yeah. often prefer the older guy because if, if they put Hernandez yeah. in there, he's their closer. Then he's going to cost more in arbitration. In years, yep. So they That's often true. like the old guy. So it's especially I mean, when... make the most sense. I guess it'd be sort of a nice story to end his career as a closer and do okay. Yeah. yeah. That's true. All right. So Toronto, Ken Giles, um, this is a big one. I know a lot of people drafted him um, highly thinking that he was going to be a dominant closer this year. I know, I think you had some shares. Um, yeah, had two shares. Yeah. He was a stay away from me just because of the arm injury last year and he never recovered from that and his velo was down and I, I never saw it get back up in the spring and summer. Um, but you know, I mean, I, I get why people want to take a shot on him. Um, it's just, I get scared with stuff like that, but so then they, they named Bass, I think the closer, but now they're talking about Giles potentially coming back. Um, I don't buy it at all. I don't think he's going to come back. Uh, I think he's done, but, uh, what's your read on that situation? Did you hold him? No, I dropped him in both leagues. Okay. I, I was thinking about holding him and then I saw, Another quote, I think the first quote was he's going to come back. They're hoping he's going to come back quickly. And then the second quote was, was he's not pitching for two weeks and he's going to start throwing again. So we're yeah. talking two weeks resting, another week getting back into it. The first week he comes back, you can't play him. So five, five weeks from now, he's usable, which is two-thirds of the way through the season. So um, yeah, it's not worth it. Up dropping him. Bass looks good, but he's a free agent at the end of the year. So if they're not in the playoffs, they're probably going to trade him, especially if he, if he does well. So, uh, and they have those young guys that they like. So, um, Yeah, Dulles and uh, Romano. Yeah. A lot, I mean, of, I mean, uh, a lot of Toronto fans are – they're real high on Romano. They, they like him a lot. I've talked to a couple people recently who were – And they uh, talked about him last year. They, when Jaws was hurt, they sort of talked about Romano as the future closer, but I think he was hurt last year. Um, okay. So they didn't use him here, but I remember they talked about him. So I think they're the guy. Uh, he's the guy that they see as as a closer, uh, probably for next year. Okay, but for right now, I just look like I do what you do. I look at box scores and usage wise, it looks very clear. Bass, Dolis, and then Romano after that. Yeah. So I, I would stick with Bass if you've got him. Um, and then finally, we got uh, Washington, another another uh, place where a guy very much warning signs, red flags everywhere. Sean Doolittle. I told everybody who could listen, like, don't draft this guy. <laughs> like he is fucked. Like his, his Velo wasn't down like two or three miles an hour. I think it was down like five to six miles an hour. I mean, it was bad. Um, and uh, you know, the people who drafted Hudson pretty cheap uh, thinking maybe he might be like a part-time closer look like they got a pretty good solid closer. Now um, he's, he's looking pretty good there. What do you think? 
Yeah, I think he's their guy, but I think I heard he doesn't like closing. So he doesn't. Yeah, he does not. So like I think closing. it's another team where he might be closer for two, three weeks, and then they trade for someone. Um, That's true. Whether it's Bass, Kella, or someone else, we're not thinking. Maybe Colome. There's a bunch of guys they can trade for. So um, I think they're going to bring in someone. Wonderful job, guys. That was. There's there's so much turmoil these days, Oof. and. This, I mean, this is Dave's bread and butter. This is what he's diving into the most. And uh, thank you, Phil, for bringing your non-robotic analysis to this topic. <laughs> so give, uh, give the, the one thing some... I'm not a robot about. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, well, you got to give people some uh, some background here. So uh, you know, Jake nicknamed Phil the robot. I mean, Phil, <laughs> Phil's already hit on how everything he does is is very automated or well, right. not everything as we've as we said but 95 percent of everything he does is pretty automated so you know it just made sense to yeah. to call him the the emotionless robot right and then phil then loved that and renamed all of his main event teams the robot one robot two <laughs> it's gonna stick all right boys wonderful job let's uh take a quick break for a word from anchor And we are back. Um, now we're going to shift gears a little bit, go back to some strategy, uh, stop with the closer analysis and hit some strategy. Um, we're, we talked about how Phil is, is pretty analytical and automated. We are, we're, we're not like strictly narrative based at all, but we, we don't use as much projection as Phil does in our analysis, mm -hmm. uh, in our pre-draft analysis, especially. Um, Phil, are you sticking with your same uh, structure of, of uh, strategy in terms of, you know, making any, everything automated? Not, not so much the free agent pickup, but your, your player analysis. Has that changed from pre-draft until now? Honest, no, it's pretty much the same thing. I put in my preseason projections in my system, and then based on how they do, if after, I think after a month, I adjust by 10 or 15%, depending on the category. So I got my rest of season projections like that. Um, anything I don't have a projection for, projection for, I just use the steamer. Um, it's so pretty much everything is automated. There's goods and bads with that, but I, I like it that way. <laughs> Certainly helps you keep it all straight. Um, how do you feel about your your pre-draft or your drafting strategy of going very pitcher heavy in the beginning rounds, especially with the closers, the relievers? I'd still do the same strategy, even though the closers are a mess right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do like the, the pitching heavy. Um, from my analysis, the hitters were inconsistent, and you need more than two months of a season for the top hitters to really stand out. I think it, in a two-month season, it really comes down to playing time. And there were guys like Adam Frazier available in the 25th round who are playing every day and hitting – first or second in the lineup so um and the pitchers even the starters were all scrambling to find starters right now I mean it's it's crazy but I had on most teams I had I think six pitchers in my first nine picks and I'm still scrambling for pitchers right now mm. so yeah um, yeah yeah there's not a lot of starters available and meanwhile all the top guys Yelich Acuna are all struggling so yeah that's true Bellinger yeah yeah and so now it's been away for for a few games so so you wouldn't change anything from your from your draft strategy to now, but uh, you have changed your your bench strategy of uh, going from pitcher heavy to hitter heavy uh, to avoid the 
the COVID zeros as we call them. So is that, that pretty accurate? Yeah. Usually I, I usually have two hitters on my bench and with the multi-position, usually two hitters can cover most positions, if not all positions. And in a week, in a normal week, you might have one guy get hurt and then you can sub in on Friday. And then I'd have five pitchers on the bench. And then I, I play matchups. Um, matchups affect starters more than hitters. So I find it in the normal year, it makes more sense to have starters on the bench. But this year, I don't want zero. So I switched um, this week. I have five hitters and two pitchers on all my benches for my six mains. So totally it, agree. Yeah. And, and if you have any Cardinals or, or Tigers and you don't want to drop them, I mean, like we yeah. have DeYoung and Edmund, I'm not dropping them, you know, I mean. I think I had one team with, with four of them. So at least with, with my five hitters on the bench, now I can sub in. I shouldn't right. have any zeros for at least the next few days if, if nothing else crazy happens. Something totally sad in one of my mains. I literally drafted seven guys with multi-positional eligibility and had backup at every position. And then I lost Tim Anderson and Paul DeYoung. <laughs> oh, so I had to pick up Jose Iglesias to fill my shortstop I mean, position. That's not the, I also took that's a, not I the mean, worst though. Like the guy's hitting third, so it could have been. I, you're I mean, right. It's I mean, not. It's he's no Tim Anderson or DeYoung. Don't get me wrong, but as long as he's healthy, I mean, they did put him in the game on Sunday, but yeah, I still had to waste money picking up a hitter, I even know. though I thought I'd covered everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine the people who who didn't draft like us though, who took more risks and who didn't draft for flexibility, like they're in a much worse boat than we are even. So uh, it's, it's, it's one of those years, man, where it's, it's, uh, it's tough to navigate the waters for everybody. Phil, I'm going to give you the choice. Uh, do you want to cover your listener questions from Twitter or do you want to cover the, the bevy of news that we have to handle first? Which one will make you feel like we're going out on a high note? <laughs> um. We can look at the news. Usually most podcasts look at the news first. Yeah. We want to be a little different. I guess we want to be like other podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, your Marlins are back, theoretically. Theoretically. Uh, Your Phillies are back, officially. No, they're playing playing now, so they're back. Well, we don't know. There's a monsoon tomorrow. Okay. Well, they're playing today, so at least you got one game out of them if you started them. All right. Fair enough. Uh, uh what what are we making of the marlins uh situation we we it seems as though the majority of the offensive players are unaffected by this uh, other than miguel rojas was there another offensive player that we heard of oh you're gonna make me go to my COVID i think it was list. pretty much oh, well, only cooper, cooper was one for sure oh yeah it was an earlier one that's alfaro right. as well alfaro yeah. as well yeah well yeah those guys came out early yeah. right oh yeah. you mean yeah, yeah. you mean any sorry additional the ones, guys? yeah no you're right i mean harold we ramirez is another well. one who is out for sure um but yeah i I think, and then obviously Isandai has opted out. Yeah, but I think that was pretty much all. Because so I don't know if you guys saw, I tweeted it out a little earlier that um, Craig Mish, who covers the Marlins, uh, had reported that VR, Brian Anderson, Berti, and Aguilar are all healthy and going to play this week. Yeah. So Craig Mish was awesome, just answering questions. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, he's a fantasy first guy. Open, so. but- um, just answering, is that guy going to play this week? Yes, yes, and yes. It was. It helped with – I was going to drop Anderson uh, and Aguilar last night if I didn't saw, see that. Um, Vilar I was going to hang on, hang on to, but the other guys are going to drop and then uh, correct me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it helped a lot because, I mean, a lot of beat reporters don't always answer uh, questions. Very good. Um, 
Let's see. We have obviously the the Cardinals are going to be out all this week. Um, uh, not all this week necessarily, but we're kind of planning for the, the first fact half that they might possibly be possibly the second half too. Yeah, your Mar- your uh, Tigers are not playing. Your Cubs might not play this weekend. Um, I, hopefully, you guys covered yourselves. You know, we don't we don't do a, a prefab episode, but hopefully, everybody knew that this was a possibility. They they even pushed the series back and gave everybody a lot of optimism, myself included today when they said on MLB.com that there was going to be a double header on Wednesday in Detroit. They're going to play all the games in Detroit. And then a few hours before lineup lock, they pulled the rug out from under us and said that they're not transla- <laughs> traveling to Detroit. At I all, wasn't so. buying it anyway. So that's fine. It just gave me clarity. Cause I, I was, I was never thinking that that was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they were all on my bench as well. And then hoping, cause if, if I looked at it sort of, it's 50-50. They play, and even double headers, the, the, the hitters are going to sit one game usually. So I sort of saw it as 50-50, maybe mm-hmm. three games versus zero. So it's like a game and a half, maybe two games. So if a guy's playing two games, you sit him. So um, That's fair. Right. Uh, Shohei Otani in his uh, weekly Sunday start uh, came up grabbing his elbow after hitting his highest velocity of the day. Um, obviously, pretty bad sign. Uh, we mentioned it before. MRI, uh, you guys informed me, came back, uh, and he is out four to six weeks as a pitcher. Uh, still looking like they're going to try to use him as a hitter. Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't think any of us – Phil, do you have any shares? No. I don't. I know we don't. Well, I, we were way out on him. Yeah. So. Um, if you had him, are you throwing him into your utility slot? Um, Angels are not playing, correct? Yes. So, are, did you keep, would you have reserved him and thrown him in your utility slot for Tuesday? I would have kept him, but I don't think I would have used him this week. Yeah, or I would agree. We with might that. find out tomorrow if he's in the lineup, you can put him in there. But, um, I mean, he, he was, I was last, or two years ago, he hit really well uh, right before having Tommy John. So, I think he can hit mm-hmm. um, even with the injury. And he's, he's probably going to be more helpful as an everyday hitter than going back and forth and not pitching that well. So if I had him, I'd probably be happy that he, he might be a full-time hitter. Right. That's the thing. Like, you know, he's not going to get, well, I guess you don't know, but you expect he's not going to get routine days off like before or after a start now. So you can feel more confident that you can use him on those weekends where there's three games as a hitter. You know, if he had a bad matchup, you can at least, you know, know you're going to probably end up using him as a hitter. If, if as long as he's healthy and he's able to hit well. I guess you take this week to look at it and see. Um, Earlier tonight, this is Monday, uh, Mike Soroka came up very lame on the mound. Um, Tony, Tony, our friend DiVincenzo was watching it, said his looked like either his calf or his Achilles popped. Yeah. Uh, He said he could see the muscle actually moving in the slow motion. Oh yeah. Where it ripples. I've seen those before. I didn't watch this one, but yeah, that that's, I mean, that's a pretty bad sign looking like like he's done looking like a long-term thing. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm assuming, you know, we're going to wait for results. You got all week to know. So, yeah, unfortunately it happened right at the beginning of the week, yeah. you know, in his, on a in two his start, start and, his two start yeah. week, obviously if you've got him in, you can't get him out, which sucks, but, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. I don't think, uh, any of the three of us have any shares. Um, right, no. Phil? No, I didn't have him. Yeah. He's but not really my kind of guy. You're like high strikeout pitchers. Right. Exactly. Ditto. If, um, it, if it comes back that it's not a tear. Are you guys going to hold him? Uh, in a I, short season, it's really hard to hang on. No. 
<laughs> it's <laughs> no, I don't think he's. I mean, the only guy I can people I can understand people holding on to Verlander because there's a chance he's going to come back for two three weeks at the end of the year. But for a guy like Soroka, if he's out for three weeks, I don't think it's worth a bench spot. Every bench spot this year is worth probably twice as much as they've been worth in the past. So um, I'd say at least. Yeah. Yeah. Probably more with how many games are getting canceled. Yeah, exactly. So um, I'm not hanging out to anyone. Very fair. Um, we had Lorenzo Kane opt out a few days ago from uh, the Milwaukee outfield. That was kind of big. Yeah, that, that opened. And then Ryan Brown went on the IL pretty much right after that. So that yep. opened up a lot of playing time uh, for guys like Ben Gamble. Uh, kind of cemented Justin Smoke into the lineup full yep. time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my horrible Logan Morrison bids. Uh, <laughs> yeah, please tell us about this. We weren't going to mention that. <laughs> no, I was going to mention it. <laughs> because you came out of nowhere right before Fab was doing. You were talking about Lomo, and I'm like, do you mean Logan Morrison? Like, is he still playing baseball professionally? I was like, I didn't even know. So explain what you're I, I was big was. on Ryan Brown this year. I had him in – five leagues i think yeah. so i was following the brewers lineups and then he brown only played against lefties and morrison was in there against righties hitting fourth or fifth in the lineup so i'm like okay he's there now with kane opting out and brown being hurt i'm like okay morrison might hit against lefties i looked at his career against lefties he's okay it looks it's not bad they might start using him and then there was so much stuff going on yesterday. I sort of didn't realize that I'm the only one that's interested by this guy. So I bid. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I felt with my Monty Harrison bids last week. They were all unopposed. Yeah, but Monty Harrison was a legit player. Like Lomo? Oh, my gosh. What did you bid on him? I think 50 or 60 on most teams. <laughs> that was mean. You didn't have to say that. You could have deferred. Oh, please. We've all made fab mistakes before. It's not a big deal. <laughs> And, uh, I put a, I put like a seventy five dollar bid on Sky Bolt last year, so I mean, you know, there you go. Guy's name is Sky Bolt. Cool name. That's all you really need to know. Cool name. Yeah, and maybe that's why I did it because it goes year, back like to your theory. Year, so. <laughs> that's why you love Franchi so much. <laughs> uh, speaking of jokes, Yuana uh, Suspect is a situation oh. <laughs> yesterday. I'm glad he's okay, but man, oh yeah. man, that that dude. After all the shit he put the Mets through, he just does whatever the to, f he to wants just, to do to just up and leave the team after hitting sixth a few times and getting you know rested a couple times. Uh, just didn't even tell anyone. Just yeah, MIA, to just leave. Fuck it, I'm not telling anyone. I'm just gonna not show up. But that tweet from the Mets made it. It was just yeah, right. Like, the disappeared. We don't know where he is. Like somebody call the police. Yeah, send <laughs> <laughs> a search crazy. party. <laughs> Find just don't it, it was during the game too. You don't have to say anything. Yeah. Just don't yeah. say anything. Very strange. Three hours Very and then figure it out after the game. Um, I mean, it, this is also the same guy who got attacked by a boar. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know what the I don't this dude is out there for sure. Um and it's and it's crap like this that made me never even want a piece yeah. of him anyways. Besides Not, the health, besides of besides the ridiculous health risk that he was anyways, but yeah, that was uh, that was interesting. So, what does this do for Dominic Smith? I mean, I saw I saw some pretty decent sized bids for Dominic. There were some good sized bids for him. Um, I, I'm not. I mean, I I get it. I think he'll have some 
solid playing time. Well, especially now that McNeil's out. Yeah, too, yeah, I that was quick today. Yeah, he's scared out every or, or shocked everybody three four minutes before lineup lock today. Yeah, so we actually uh, they decide they had JD Davis out of the lineup, and then in the last minute they put him back in, and uh, Tony, my main event partner, actually took JD Davis out of the lineup to put in Howdy Kendrick, who was also only going to have two games this week, and I didn't even know. I guess he texted me, but I was eating dinner. And then I came back and I was like thinking, oh man, well, that's cool. We're going to get another game from JD Davis. And then Tony's like, oh yeah, I took him out. I'm like, oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> well, one for five tonight. So he didn't do too yeah, much. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was like, you know, who knows? Maybe Howie Kendrick will play and have some good games or whatever. It's not a huge deal. But... Phil, any interest in Dom Smith? Um, I didn't put in any bits for him. It, it looked like he's going to get hit only against righties. Um, usually lefty power hitters don't usually play against lefties that much if they get so many injuries they might they might have to use them but um not really interested for now and actually it's gone in most leagues too so actually that just reminded me of something that we had planned on talking about that we uh forgot about until right now tell people about your theory on left-handed batters and why you don't want to draft them yeah, um, I found that doing my research in the past few years that usually left-handed hitters that get with ADP, say, between 100 and around 250 um, are usually being overdrafted. And then all righties are being underdrafted and then especially switch hitters because Andrew Benintendi is the best example. He's projected by most people to hit leadoff. Uh, projection system having, I don't know, around 650 plate appearances. If he stays there, he's great. But then he had one bad stretch. He doesn't look good, but it's, I mean, it's four or five games. Then suddenly he's hitting ninth against lefties, and then then they take him out. So he went from a guy who's supposed to lead off every day to a guy who's going to miss about 30% of the game. So um it's what I found in my research that usually uh, left-handed hitters going in the middle rounds, they're that range where they're not that good. So it only takes one bad streak where they go, I don't know, two for 25. And then they just, okay, we'll sit that guys against lefties. Um, even though it doesn't really mean anything about that hitter, it's just a cold streak that anyone can go through. Uh, it's just easier to sit left-handed hitters than, than switch hitters. Switch hitters you're leaving in there. I mean, they're, they're hard. The, I mean, you can't really platoon them unless they're doing really bad. So it usually takes more um, to sit them. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. It's something I really never thought about, but makes total sense. Very interesting. Um, all right, we'll move on to our Twitter questions. We did get a number of really solid questions for Phil. And, and we only tweeted about our recording like three hours before the show. We got a lot of good a lot of good questions for yeah, Phil. Yeah, we've got here. some good followers who are uh, who are on top of it. And things. everybody knows what Phil brings to the table. So, first one, we'll start off light from Rob DPH or our boy, uh, <laughs> Deadpool hitter on Twitter. Is Phil half robot and half human or just 100% robot? I'd say 90% robot. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't one of the choices. Uh, what? Well, we did kind of talk about it, but what made you so high on Paxton, Phil? Um. It's that he's he had he had potential to be a top ten, top fifteen starter. Um, the one part where I kind of screwed up with my system this year is that usually I include um, innings pitched in spring training as a way to tell me that the pitcher is healthy. So if a guy throws fifteen innings in spring training, he's pretty much guaranteed to be healthy, and so you don't put your 
mean, if some if a starter has some issues, you'll you just don't put him in there. But this year, with no spring training, with the short summer training, um, that part of my system was sort of gone. So I made the mistake of Paxton. We don't know it might be mechanical, um, but guys like Erod, I never should have drafted Ryan Braun, who's always hurt. In normal spring training, he wouldn't have it been in there. So I would have stayed away from him. So it's things like that that sort of messed up my system this this year. Uh, but I think Paxton had the upside. Uh, my system liked a bunch of things around about him. He finished the year pretty well last year. So um, it's not working out very well so far. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. Yeah, you know. Every best, every system needs improvement sometimes. Yeah. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe tweak the injury side of it a little bit because that's, I mean, that's, that's why we stay away from him because that guy's never healthy. I mean, that's totally easy to automate, right? Uh, he claims that he can. I've, ta- I've, I've mentioned that before to him, and Phil says he can, he can tweak the I mean, system. In a normal year, would Paxton have been in there for in spring training throwing 20 innings? Probably not the way he's pitching right yeah. now. So, oh, right. So my system would have accounted for that. So I would have been lower on him, um, except this year sort of messed up that part of it. And then instead of, since I'm 95% robot, I forgot to adjust for that. <laughs> Wait, it just went up from 90 to 95% in the last two minutes. We're getting closer to the actual choice. So we'll get there. I think we have our answer. <laughs> we can round up. Um, given the current landscape in the league, uh, what categories do you think will be the toughest to move up in in the standings? Um, hmm. ERA is going to be pretty tough. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the, the, the easy answer is saves, but I think with the trade deadline that you're, it, it's going to be possible to move up there. Um, I think ERA and batting average are going to be kind of hard. Um, I, I think I have one team with a batting average around like 180 and I don't feel good about it. <laughs> um, I think ERA, the, the ratios, ERA, whip, and average are, are going to be hardest to move up. The rate stats, which is yeah. what we all knew would be the most right. volatile thing going into the season. A couple blow-ups the first couple weeks, and yep. you're already in a hole. Well, yeah. you know, when you've got high-risk guys like Kirby Yates raising your rates, you know. Yeah, what were we <laughs> thinking? <laughs> Damn it. it. It's not as bad as it could have been. I mean, that, I, that last outing could have gone worse. Could have gone better. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just be thankful for not him, him not giving up five earned oh, instead of two. okay. All right, thank you. That would have been a lot worse. Thank you. Uh, Thanks, last Tim. one from Rob for you, Phil. Uh, what what not so widely owned or coveted player has caught your attention these first 10 days? Um, I, we sort of talked about Volquez earlier that I think could be the closer. And um, another let's guy... Say from like, a, let's say from a skills perspective. Um, I kind of like Kevin Gosman. Um that's right. Valdez, we talked about earlier. Gosman and Valdez are my two pitchers that I got in most leagues. Um, Gosman, I like uh, – that was kind of stupid. I liked them. I drafted in a bunch of leagues. Then I saw Kapler being Kapler. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right? Not <laughs> I'm not going to tell you who my starter is. Yeah. <laughs> Gamesmanship. So, oh, last God. week I dropped Gosman in all my leagues, and I picked him up in pretty much every league again uh, this week. So um, wasted some money there because he started – last week he started, I think he went four four and a third or something like that so it looks like he's a starter now um i think he's starting tomorrow he's got a horrible two-step this week but um skills wise i think he can he can be a good a good pitcher okay 
guys, I'm, I'm way too gun shy with Gosman now. I mean, I think he just became when someone dropped him last week in our main, like yesterday. I think he became the best pitcher available. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I got to take a look at him. Well, the park's playing a little bit differently now. That's very true. Um, all right, our automatic question generator, Alex Rinaldi. Oh uh, yeah, at Rinaldi two two four on Twitter. Uh, he asks Phil, "What are some rules that you've applied on top of your system to help manage risk or improve win percentage?" E.g., I know you have a rule around ownership percentage of players. I do. <laughs> well, he does. Oh. He knows it. I don't know if you know it. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's nothing. Honestly, everything. The way I bit my system is, I I figured I can't be steamer and pod for their projections, so I average them and then look at what most people do, uh, most experienced players. And I find it would quantify it. So I think pretty much everything can be quantified. So um, in my preseason projections, everything is automatic. And then in season, like I said, the only thing that's not automated is the closers. Um, but everything else, I just follow my system. If there's something I think of that would make sense, then I'll find a way to quantify it and put it in the system. So nothing's ever not in the system if I want it in there. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, he asks, how are your draft champions leagues going in the NFBC? Uh, how many of them did you draft? And which ones are going better based on you know, where you actually drafted and what time period? Like the early ones right. are going better or the later ones? Um, I drafted both of them back-to-back pretty much last, I think it was mid-February to late February, something like that. So within a span of two, three weeks. Um, both are, one's doing pretty well. I think one's in 20th overall and the other one's around 300. Awesome um still good yep yeah that i i sort of i tweeted earlier in in march my crazy strategy for draft champions i get basically two stud pitchers two stud closers and then like 25 hitters in a row and then (laughs) i just go crazy with with starters after that yeah um because i think once you get packed past pick around 500 you're getting platoon hitters or guys that aren't very good, but starters, you can get Trent Thornton, who's not back, right? You can tenor work, but they're, they're starting. Um, right. So you're, you got your two studs for the, for the ratios. And then you just get, you play matchups in two week, two week starts with those starters from round, you know, 30 to 50. I think in both ones I got in both uh, draft champions, I got 20 straight starters from rounds 20, uh, 30 to wow. 50. So, I mean, if you, can, if you can limit your zeros on the offensive side, I think it puts you at a real – and I think that's why you do what you do. Um, yeah. It puts you at a real advantage. Yeah, and I give, I give a boost to multi-position guys knowing that um, yeah. I usually get seven or eight bench hitters. Um, the, the one that's, that's around 300 is going to go down because I lost basically five of my eight, eight outfielders. Uh, so that one's struggling. The, the other one, I, most of my bench guys are selective. And obviously the whole COVID thing sort of messed a little bit with that strategy. If I draft again, I get two extra hitters maybe. For sure. Yeah, and for people who don't – oh, sorry, go ahead. In a normal season, last year year I did just one. And like you said, I think it was 15th overall. And I lost Carrasco, which should have – it should have been even better. I had a chance at the overall. um, So strategy was worked for me um, for the past few years. For sure. 
I was just going to mention, um, for people who don't know, draft champions leagues are ones where you draft, uh, is it 50 rounds? Yeah, it's 50 yeah. rounds and there's no pickups along the way. So you draft your team and that's all the guys that you can edit your lineup with. You can't add anyone throughout the whole year. And people are drafting those from the end of October or maybe the middle of October all the way until the start of the season. I know Lindy, really? Hink- Lindy Hinkleman won the overall last year drafting from one of the first drafts of the year, if not the first. Oh, shit. It was, yeah. Wow. That's crazy. That is pretty crazy. Phil, I mean, Phil something I thought of real quick. Um, I, I got bitten real bad a couple of years ago on my catcher strategy. How many, now, you, you said you took a, a bunch of hitters in a row and then slammed the pitchers. How many catchers do you grab in that? That's a good question. I got three. I usually get two pretty early ones, um, usually two of my top ten, and then I get a third one just to, be, to fill in, hopefully. Um, after that, I mean – What's the fifth catcher really going to get you? Um, if you're lucky, he's not going to hurt you, but you might get. Probably is going to hurt you. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather get a another starter, um, like a 25th yeah, starter. Yeah, and those drop like flies, man. <laughs> yeah. Even in a normal year, those starters just drop like flies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have a lot of little you know medical suitcases on my benches every year, and they're <laughs> mostly starters. <laughs> little, little plus, red plus signs. Yeah. Um, Alex has two more quick ones. Uh, what did you learn from doing so, or from doing so well in the DC last year? What was, what's the one thing I think that you learned the most, let's say. I learned that my system for hitters was really good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that my system for, well, my system for pitchers was horrible last year. So I reworked, re- reworked it this year. Um, but last year it didn't really matter because I, I had Carrasco and then I had just a bunch of pitchers late. Uh, so it didn't really matter what, whether my system was good or not. I was going for volume late. Um, but yeah, I, I like my system for hitters and I like the strategy I used to just go late volume with, with starters. And then hopefully the bats stay healthy that I only need six or seven on the bench. Mm-hmm. Real quick is last one. You, you did touch on this a decent amount in the beginning, but let's just recap for everybody. What does your weekly or daily process look like in terms of fab and updating the data for your system? Uh, do you automate pulling data or do you have web scrapes? Um, yeah, pretty much everything in Excel is pulling data automatically. I get the schedule with projected starters. I get um, year-to-date stats from Fangraphs automatically. The only thing I copy-paste are my, uh, the, the rosters and free agents from the NFBC. And then everything else, I just click on a button. And if everything goes well, um, it updates automatically. This week was kind of mess. It took way too long just because the schedule, not even being sure. Um, yeah, this week, usually Fab takes three hours. This week, I think I spent yeah. eight hours on it just because things weren't updating properly and I had to manually adjust the schedule and guess the starters. And it, I think it was a mess for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if it wasn't a mess, you weren't really trying. Yeah. <laughs> usually I spend as little time as possible on Fab, and this week I was really upping my time consumption which amounts to like less than two hours still but for me fab is hard to squeeze in for some reason yeah, I know. shocking I shocking think the uh the average team the average number of pickups was 3.1 this week in the, in the main um 3.1 per team and then last year the highest week was 2.3 so right like that's, that's insane higher. i I think that this week of fab pickups is going to be pivotal. And I think a lot of that's going to be the closer situations are all in flux. And I think 
a lot of people are going to pick up guys who they're either going to waste a lot of money on guys who are going to do them nothing, or they're going to pick up some guys who are going to turn their season around in terms of help them solidify their closers. I mean, there were so many players picked up. And hitters. I mean, gotta... like the hitters are just all gone now yeah. because everybody's like, okay, this guy's playing. So I need to put him on my team. Except Manny Harrison for a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> they couldn't do that, Jake. I know. We'll see next week. week too. We'll see. Next I week. think in two, three weeks, there's going to be a lot of bad drops though. I'm sort of hoping to save money for that. Cause I think if, um after a month usually if a hitter is on a cold streak people are going to panic and drop them and i think there might be some good hitters and maybe some good starters on there that are just off the bad starts but that the skills are there and not going to be worth worth some pickups hopefully where are, you, where are you guys at uh with your money i'm i think we're around 700 left in the main i know you have a couple leagues phil but a general range i'm at, I'm at pretty much 650 in all of them okay uh, for, I got most of the same guys for the same bids in all my leagues for some reason. So, uh, and I think the I, for I, some, I, reason, some reason, yeah, I system. <laughs> when you bid on Morris, and then yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's another fifty bucks you could still have, Phil. Yeah, <laughs> but I think the average main team I checked had about six um, six thirty five left. So yeah. I think okay, working. that's not that's workable. Yeah, the the majority of mine. Uh, well, all my leagues, I'm in the low 800s. Uh, oh, wow. All my mains. But, uh, you know, there's almost half of each of them are, are below 600. The players are yeah. below 600. So, okay. There's a lot of money spent. Phil, you also tweeted how much money was spent. Do you have that handy? I don't have that um, pulled up. I but, don't. But, I, okay. I, I, yeah, I think it was, yeah. it was a lot. Yeah. I think it's three, uh, 366 so far in the first three weeks. And I think last week was. 205 so that's like 20 percent gone in in one week um, yeah that's nuts uh yeah. but like like we said i mean there were so many viable players available and you know some of these are bound to hit so yeah, yeah had i had to spend to get guys i have that tweet right here you said 366 dollars per team 225 of that was last night sure. and there was uh yeah 3.1 per team Seven seventeen hundred and seventy pickups. Never, never seen it before. Yeah, no. even Fab again wasn't that. That's that crazy. Um, baseball HQ's Ryan Bloomfield uh, at Ryan BHQ. Uh, you guys seem to have different approaches to player evals on the surface. Where do they overlap the most? And Dave and Phil talk extensively, so I think it'll be really easy. Yeah, for you guys we, to we DM this. like every day, yeah. like like as if we're dating or something. <laughs> Phil, you're married though, right? Um, no, he's not. Oh, you're not? No, there's still time. Might be. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's make that long distance connection. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking about like, we've talked about a lot of the things that were different on, but also a lot of the things that were similar on. I think we kind of had a lot of the same targets, honestly, even though we go about it different ways. Um, you know, we were talking about, I remember Boyd and Maeda and Lynn and J-Ram, we were both real high on all those guys. Yeah, um, it's kind of funny that our process is completely different. Uh, you just waste time doing everything manually, and then my whole because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to do anything, Phil. I'm technologically dumb. So just be like me and don't waste the time. Just yeah, just fly by. You see your pants like Jake, and just yeah. wait for me to tell him what to do. <laughs> but yeah, like, like I said earlier, it's sort of the way I built my system. Um, I know I can't beat the projection system, so I look. I listen to podcasts. Talked to Dave, talked to a bunch of the other guys, read tweets about how experienced players do things. They look at pitch mix. They look at um, how deep players go into games. They look at spring training stats, all that stuff. I just Line put up it all slots. in the system, test it, quantify it, 
Um, so it's it doesn't look. I mean, the the, the pitchers I was high on. I mean, I had. I won't say Paxton because it's embarrassing at this point, but um, <laughs> uh, Lynn, I had him as my SP13. You won't find another projection system that had Lynn as SP13, like ahead of Charlie Morton. Um, so that's why I sort of, you'll find people doing the rankings manually that will have that, but not a projection system. So I, started, I try to do a rankings from projections, but automated based on the way experienced players usually do things um yeah. right and we both um <clears throat> we were both targeting you know secure uh fairly elite closers this year as well and uh we were also looking for starting pitchers on teams that are going to push their starters and get a lot of innings like the people who are going for guys like snell and glass now you know we were not on that we didn't want the guys who might go four or five innings <clears throat> we wanted the guys from like the Indians and the Rangers who push their starters constantly up to a hundred pitches and plus, and even from start number one, the Indians and the Rangers have, have been that way. So, you know, Lynn's been over, I think a hundred pitches, Bieber, even Plesak and Savali were at a hundred or over a hundred. So um, I know you weren't in on those specific Indians pitchers, but I know that we kind of share that looking for those pitchers uh, in that way. Yeah. So, I mean, in the, once you get past the top 10 or 15 pitchers, it's a pretty big cluster. You got, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 guys with similar skills that could break out. So the one, the guy that throws 100 instead of 90 pitches gets automatic 10% edge. So um, I think that's, that's valuable. I don't think people, usually people are on the, on the young guys, but those guys usually uh, max out at 85, 90 per game. So um, that's, I mean, like I said, it's one thing that I look at that, um, and in a short season, that difference yeah. can be massive too. Um, yeah, sure, yeah. And I know that you weren't on Beaver like I was, but I mean, that's, that's <laughs> no one, one was. <laughs> nobody is on Beaver like I, I know. Um, but that, it was just another thing in his favor. I was like, the guy's going to pitch so much and in such a bad division. And he's so good in my opinion. Um, <laughs> and it just made too much sense, but I know that like you were on uh, Strasburg and podcast without mentioning Bieber's name. I know. I know. I just <laughs> we almost made it, man. I just, yeah, I, I gave up on that. I just, I can't do it. <laughs> but like you were on guys like Strasburg and Giolito who are also guys on teams that push their pitchers far too. Yeah. It's, it's one of the things in my system. It's one of, I think 17 or 18 factors that I, factor in so it's it's one of many but it is I think it's pretty important I think it's one that a lot of people don't look at so sometimes those are the guys that stand out um that I end up drafting because I put I look at it and then I I think they get bumped up so I like them more than their ADP in a lot of cases right by the way I just saw it popped up Mike Soroka's out for the year yeah wow that was quick yeah I mean it from what Tony said it looked pretty obvious so yeah shame you never want to see that no it's not good to see uh, Rob Silver's question kind of ties into what you guys were talking about. Uh, so besides Paxton, he didn't say that, but I'll say it. Are there any players that your model was really high on the 10 days into the season that you think the model was drunk about? Or is it just, <laughs> or is it 10, just days? 10 days? And I know that that's your answer, but yeah, I think it's just 10 days. There's, yeah. I mean, the, the, the six guys I liked were Paxton, Lynn Boyd, Carrasco, Maeda, and Hap. Uh, one of them sort of hurt. Three of them are doing good. And then Boyd and Hap, it's just 10 days. I'm hoping we figure it out. I hope so. Boyd looks lost, man. And Hap only got one start. Right. right? They, yeah, we they, haven't seen enough from Hap yet. He lost out on a two-start. I mean. Yeah, he keeps getting pushed back. Like, he was supposed to this start week like too. Yeah, He was ago. supposed to get a two-start <laughs> this week, too. I know. And he just got screwed out of it. Uh, 
it sucks. But um, we'll get it next week, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and Boyd too. Boyd was supposed to two start, but one of those starts is going to come against the uh, Cardinals, so he's not going to get that, obviously. But he's going to get the Pirates this weekend, so yeah, yeah. So let's hope let's hope that the Pirates make him look good. Right, Boyd, come back to her, please. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was a guy we were all invested in for sure. Uh, just a couple more. Let's we'll try and blow through these. Uh, Leland Taglieri at Leland Taglieri. Um, Blake Taylor, Jonathan Hernandez, and Rowan Wick. Good options in save slash hold leagues, but are they worth rostering in standard leagues, like leagues without holds? Um, what do you guys think? It depends on the number of bench spots, but in in NFBC with only seven, I I wouldn't. Um, maybe one of those. Wick's probably the, the closest guy, um, but the other two, I don't I don't think so. Yeah, well, so we're 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 rostering Wick in our main event. So obviously, I I think he's worth rostering. But um, in general, those those guys, uh, you know, the other two, I'm probably not holding right now. Okay, good. You guys covered that pretty well before. Uh, yeah. Our boy Rocco Di Pasquale. Yeah, uh, Rocco. Rocco Di Pasquale one on Twitter. You guys, you probably are anyway. But just in case, talk about some of the influx closer situations. We just want to give you a shout for bringing that up. We definitely yep. covered that really definitely well. That one. And lastly, Scott Jenstad says for Phil, do victory laps work differently in Canada, Phil? The only difference is we don't do victory laps on injured players. <laughs> you guys are you're so go. nice. American pompousness. Yeah, you know. something like that. Hey, so did you see the response below there? I believe that they're called Killamacues. What yeah. are those? I have no idea. Oh, okay. It looks like, it looks like a French-Canadian word. That's, so like, that's like Shekwa. <laughs> it's kilo and then m-e-q-u-e-u-e-s i don't know what that is i don't know either okay fair enough <laughs> and running counterclockwise was the other response i think that that's an australian thing maybe i don't i think canada's in the uh, upper hemisphere <laughs> maybe your toilets flush differently <laughs> canadian gravity might be different perhaps uh, <laughs> Wonderful. Guys, thank you. That's the first time we've really asked for questions and thank you for... Uh, yeah, I figured it was a good time yeah, to do it. Thanks for making sure you gave us some good and giving us some good ones. Um, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Phil, I, we were really happy that you were able to come on today. We uh, wanted you to be our first uh, first guest. Legitimate guest. Yeah. Sorry, Tony. Sorry, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> um, so thank you so much for doing this. Um, it's, you know, we, we knew we wanted to have you on early. We talked about it. And uh, you, back you when I was still delivered. trying to convince you to do podcasts to begin with. And see, see how far you've come. And yeah, just look two at podcasts. this. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's that like was it. excellent. Yeah. Um, guys, check out rotosaurus.com. Uh, we are constantly working on closer rankings. Dave's, uh, Dave's main area on there. Uh, closer rankings, depth charts, uh, speculative save list. That speculative save list really was nailing it this past weekend. A lot of your top guys are looking like they're coming to fruition. Yeah, Karinchak and Rosenthal for sure. Yeah, we didn't really touch on James Karinchak, but uh, we're pretty heavily. Oh yeah, we, heavily we are big fans there. of his. Um, we also have the pitching schedule charts up there. We do have week weeks three and four. They're constantly in flux, so we'll constantly be updating those. Yeah, Jake and I both uh, keep the pitching schedules updated, and Jake also does the uh, two starts for both this week and next week. So make sure you don't make his all of his hard work that he bitches to me about every day uh, for not. Almost every day. <laughs> this week especially. Oh, my God. So bad. Today was just a total mess. 
And I was thinking I was going to get it all done on Sunday. And if I had, I would have had to do Nobody it all over again. Nobody who knows you anyway. thought you were going to get it done on Sunday. That, well, these guys don't know me that well yet. Um, <laughs> They're getting to. Thanks, y'all, for supporting the podcast early on. We were finally added to iHeartRadio. Shakes fist at the old Clear Channel for taking almost five weeks to put us into their system. I don't know why it takes that long. Uh, but we are officially on all the major platforms now, thank God. Uh, please subscribe where you can. Review where you can. Uh, we've gotten a lot of early good reviews on Apple. Thank you for that. Um, Phil, is there any work that you would like to plug as we say goodbye? Uh, not really. I just do my... <laughs> you my you don't put your system out there for everybody? Yeah. No, no. Secret. It's worth How dare you? <laughs> What's yeah, your Twitter just, handle yeah. again, Phil? Uh, Phil Duso, the U-S-S-A-U-L-T 27. Um, I'll tweet some random stats and guys I like. Usually I tweet guys I like once my, all my drafts are done, so it's not very useful, but um, they're out there somewhere. If you're not following Phil already, you need to do it, especially if you play NFBC, because he is always giving you all kinds of statistical tidbits as well as uh, analysis of uh, Fab Weekend, um, just just all those those inner machinations that that you don't think about or you machinations. don't want machinations. You almost made it through the episode without using in a. You don't want to calculate really all that word. stuff yourself. I'm just going to move through that. You don't. <laughs> If you don't want to do it yourself, Phil is probably doing it and he might tell you about it. So make but, sure you're following. By the way, Phil, I meant to ask you this earlier. Um, were there 26 other Phil Dussos that beat you to that tag on Twitter? Yeah, I tried every single one and 27 was the first one. Was it? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so many Phil Dussos up there in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, you are where on Twitter? Uh, that would be at run DMCD. Add that D. Add that D. And follow Rotosaurus as well. We don't really mm. plug the Twitter handle for Rotosaurus, but no, it is we, at Rotosaurus. I mean, we don't tweet from it as much as our as own much. Twitter no. handles. Yeah, follow, follow our Twitter handles. Uh, they're, they're much more frequent. And for you, sure. you get all my food tweets. And oh, yeah. No, you can't miss out on crap those. like that. Yep. Uh, I am at the dust mite. Uh, thank you so much, Phil, again, Thanks, for being buddy. here. It's Appreciate been a lot of you. fun. Great episode. Dave, oh, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah, it was. Absolutely. We will definitely do it again as well. Have a good night, everybody. All right. Night.